I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 as we begin our time together. Matthew chapter 6. Now while you're turning, uh, George mentioned that we drove from uh, upstate New York. Now I have to tell you, I forgot to say this in the early service, so if you have friends in the early service, please let them know this, that uh, we could have flown. It was our choice to drive. You didn't make us drive all the way from uh, Schenectady. But when, uh, when we picked up the uh, rental car, I said to my wife, I'm not going to buy insurance this time. It really stresses me out not to have insurance on that car, you know, just to rely on our own insurance. I said, this time I'm just going to, by faith, just take that car and we're not buying insurance. And, but an hour outside of Schenectady, we ran into a, an ice storm. And the car started to do a 360 in the middle of uh, uh, I-90. And I tell you that as the car began to spin, I was uh, not thinking about we're going to die or, or anything like that. I kept thinking, we should have bought that insurance. <laughs> <laughs> But by God's grace, we didn't have an accident, and we, we are here safely. We do, uh, we do regret there wasn't enough rain on the trip, but other than that. <laughs> if you have your Bibles open, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9, and I'm reading from the ESV version. Um, Matthew chapter 6, God's word says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The grass withers and the flower fades. Aren't you glad? God's given us the opportunity to think about his word. And for the next few moments, would you pray silently asking God to prepare yourself for the preaching of his word, asking God to give you ears to hear. Shall we pray? Father, your word says that you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And I pray that in the next few moments that only your name and your word will be exalted. Give us ears to hear 
from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Boy, the singing in this place is amazing. Really enjoy the singing and the songs. I want to thank you for inviting us to come and to participate in this Gospel Priorities Conference. Whenever we talk about Gospel Priorities and we talk about justice, race, and reconciliation, sometimes the result of that is fear, guilt, anger, resentment, and things that encourage the separation of of, of ourselves and when we come to worship and especially sing the songs that we sing we realize that we come from a different perspective I like Charles Wesley's song that the choir sang earlier and Charles Wesley uh, he testifies arise my soul arise shake off your guilty fears The bleeding sacrifice on my behalf appears. Before the throne, my surety stands. Before the throne, my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. I want to encourage you this morning that because we are in Christ, we have a connection that goes beyond our society's naming of who we are. In our society, we can be labeled differently because of the color of our, of our skin, the content of our portfolios, the level of our education, what have you. In the body of Christ, our significance and identification is wrapped in one thing, the fact that we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are now free to live out that reality in a way that speaks to the issues of our day. I I challenge you to think with me today that in Matthew chapter 6, what is revealed is an organic, relational, and directional connection. An organic, a relational connection and a directional connection. Now, I'm going to do something I should have done at the early morning service. I got so excited in my preaching in the morning service, I went from point one to three and completely forgot point two. I got back to it, but I forgot it earlier. So what I'm going to do is combine one and two together. And if you don't hear two, just trust me, it's there somewhere. Look with me again at verse 9, and then also verses 12, 14 through 15. First verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now look with me, if you will, at verse 12. Forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. You remember the occasion of this prayer. The occasion of this prayer, according to Luke, on chapter 11, the disciples had just seen Jesus praying to his Father. It was after the event in Jesus' life when he was with Mary and Martha 
And he said to them to desire the better thing. Uh, and Jesus demonstrated what it was to have a relationship with the Father, the better thing. And he was praying, and his, and his disciples saw that. And they said, would you teach us to pray like you, t- like John taught his disciples? And what Jesus did was to teach him this prayer. Now, I'm amazed at this prayer because when I think about God teaching us how to pray, I, I would expect that God would teach us to pray individually, to come before him as a people and ask him uh, to attend to our individual needs. I would expect to start the prayer, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, and, and, and continue with my request. But Jesus taught his disciples to say this, our Father. Those two words signal the connection that we have one with another. We are part of the body of Christ. We are one in Christ, and therein is our connection. Our Father, we can relate to God. Although he is the sovereign of the universe, although he is the high king of heaven, he relates to us as Father. And he cares about us. And he calls us into that relationship with one another. So we're free to relate to one another from that perspective. We don't have to buy into our society's definition of who we are. We can relate as brothers and sisters with one Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's the other significant part of our our relationship. Our relationship is based on the identity of God, who he is. He's holy. And because he's holy, we can relate to one another in a significant way. I don't know if you've noticed, but George and I aren't exactly twins. I'm, uh, I'm a little taller than he is. I, I weigh uh, 200, you know, it's not important how much. <laughs> my my uh, skin tone is, is darker than he is. He has more hair than I do. Where is he? Oh, there he is. And uh, he, what, what, how much do you weigh again? <laughs> and we can relate to one another because we like each other. Because we find enjoyment in, in, uh, in, in uh, the fact that we're both pastors of churches. But that's not our connection. We can enjoy those things. Our connection is that George and I are brothers in God's family. And whether I like him or not, and I happen to like him, it doesn't matter the way I treat him. I treat him with honor and respect because our Father is holy. And one of the ways that I can show that honor and respect is by offering forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is really difficult to offer, isn't it? Forgiveness can be difficult because we want justice in 
and forgiveness at the same time. But God teaches us to forgive freely as the Father forgives us. I love that principle. That principle tells me that as long as I recognize the magnitude of Christ's forgiveness on my behalf, I am free. I am free to give forgiveness to others. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says, I've read it, that if I refuse to give forgiveness, that my Father will not forgive my trespasses. Now let me be very clear. The Bible didn't say that the Father would not forgive my sin guilt, my sin debt. Christ took care of that on the cross. God will know he never will hold my sin debt against him. But in my relationship with him, when I sin and I refuse to take care of that, it makes a mark, a a barrier in my relationship, my fellowship with God. And God challenges me to ask his forgiveness of my debts, of my trespasses, and then extend that to others. One of the things a radio preacher, I can't remember his name, uh, but he challenged us to think this way. He said, whenever you sin, you're lying about who God is because we are image bearers of God through Christ. When I lie, I say God is a liar. When I steal, I say God is a, he steals. When I neglect to forgive, I say God doesn't forgive. And God's forgiveness is wonderful. That's why we can sing songs. There was a song that we sang every, oh, what is it? Every praise is to our God. Boy, that was with enthusiasm. I love that song. The reason we can sing that with enthusiasm is because God has already forgiven us our sin debt and we are released to forgive others. We have a relational connection. We have an organic connection. And then finally, we have a directional connection a directional connection with one another in Christ. Look at verse 10 and 11 and verse 13. Verse 10 and 11 and verse 13. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation but to deliver us from evil, or if you're reading the King James Version, the evil one. I think there are three things that we can find. Uh, Joy. When we pray, your kingdom come. We're acknowledging that there's one kingdom, that we serve in the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed that there are differences in the way that we worship and serve? I'm from... uh, Dwaynesburg, New York. is a Presbyterian church in upstate New York. And we sing a little differently than you guys. Um, if we sang, 
every, uh, um, now what is that song again? Every praise is to our God. I don't think we would actually try that in our church. We are reserved in our church. Uh, my sister goes to a church where they are excited. They raise their hands. They clap their hands. And they even do the, the shuffle thing when they sing. And whenever I go to her church and I try to do the shuffle thing, I can do the shuffle thing somewhat. But when I clap, I, I'm out of I don't have rhythm. I can't do it together. And, and, and she looks at me and shakes her head. But we're in one kingdom. We may express our worship differently. But we have the same direction. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you face this new year... And this new decade of serving God in Memphis, take joy in the fact that you are part of the kingdom of God. And everyone in this church, you have one direction, the proclamation of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And you can do that with great joy. The second thing we can do together when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we recognize that God provides for our needs daily. He provides for our needs. I can't help but think uh, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. I think of the Old Testament, uh, the wandering in the wilderness and God providing manna for 40 years. Do you know what the children of Israel learned during that time? I think they learned that every day, every day, God provides for their needs. Every day. I think that they learned that on the Sabbath, when God made a regulation, do not work, he even provided for their needs in keeping that regulation. He even changed the chemical uh, formula for manna on the Sabbath so that it did not spoil the second day. That's incredible. And for 40 years, he did that. You know, I struggle with trust. I'm a rule follower. I like to follow rules, but I struggle with trust. And I can imagine if if God told me, if I was in the wilderness, and he said, you take enough manna for one day uh, and trust me, every day I'll give you manna, I'd grab a whole lot the first day just in case something happened the next day. I didn't want to get up early in the morning. And so I grab enough, and what I would discover, the next day the manna would be spoiled, but God would have provided. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we acknowledge that God provides our needs. He provides the resources that we need to go through life. He is our provider. The New Testament church, I think, understood this concept of give us this day our daily bread in the first century by um, acknowledging that God provides for needs, but when he gave you more and others had less, then you were free to give so that God would provide needs through your giving. 
his grace might be extended to others, that he was the one who ultimately provided. And God gives us the opportunity not only to acknowledge that we are all beneficiaries of God's grace, he gives us our daily bread we can point to others as well. And then finally, uh, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We acknowledge that the way that we live our lives really do affect others. When Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is absolutely. And when I help my brothers um, through the uh, uh, avoiding temptation, I am living out that mandate. God tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, he gives us a beautiful truth in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16, 14 through 16. Listen to this. This is how we can help others uh, as we together uh, ask God to lead us not into temptation. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So then let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I want you to think about something. God, Jesus Christ, God's Son, lived on this earth and faced temptations like we face, yet he did not sin so that he can help us when we face temptations. We can go to God for help because he knows what we're going through. We can go to him for help because he wants to help us and he calls us to draw near to him. Whenever uh, one vacation my wife and I went on was uh, to uh, an amusement park in Orlando. And there was this one ride in that amusement park, park called Dr. Death or whatever it was called. It was, a, it was a ride where you sat in the seat and it would shoot you up in the air. But whenever I, I love am, amusement rides, whenever I'm faced with an amusement ride that's scary, I always look at the people who go before me. And I always say, if they make it, I can make it. And if there's not an ambulance waiting there, I'm going on that ride. And, and, and I enjoy it. Whenever we're faced with temptations, we can look to Christ because he faced it and he made it and he calls us to come to him. We are connected with one another relationally. We are connected with one another uh, in direction, we are connected because of Christ. Let's celebrate that. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. You thank, we thank you for teaching us that in Christ, you have broken down the wall of hostility and given us the freedom to live in this new relationship we have with you through Jesus Christ without barriers, because we are in him. Allow us to live that in a way um, that reflects the joy of Christian 
fellowship so that your name can be honored. We can rejoice in that relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.